and welcome to the 31st episode of Catch Up on Kids Mental Health. I'm Janet Morrison. In this episode, I'm going to speak about attachment and why it's so important both in early development and throughout the lifespan. Attachment theory is getting a lot of consideration today because experts fear that we're not paying enough attention to our infants and young children. Children need caring adults to hold, watch, and interact with them on a daily basis in order for them to learn and develop healthy, enjoyable relationships. Currently, there's a lot of concern expressed about children's preoccupation with screens, their lack of fresh air and exercise, and the absence of face-to-face time for socializing and problem-solving. But we should be just as concerned about parents, grandparents, and daycare providers' use of screens and how those activities directly affect children's learning and behavior. More than 50 years ago, John Bowlby, a British psychiatrist, developed a theory of attachment, which said that children are hardwired to attach to their caregivers for security and survival, that this instinct developed through evolution to increase caregiving responses and enhance survival. The fact that all infants cry, cling, smile, and follow eye gaze is proof of their inborn propensity to keep their caregivers close. Theorists before Bowlby asserted that caregivers were interchangeable, that they believed that children merely needed to be changed and fed. But Bowlby argued that the infant-caregiver relationship is primary and involves much more than feeding and providing physical comfort. Children can be attached to many caregivers, parents, grandparents, extended family, community members, and daycare providers. It doesn't need to be a single attachment figure, but it needs to be at least one attachment figure. What's critical is continuity of care, that the babies know their caregivers and that caregivers know the babies and can read their signals. In Bowlby's formulation, most of a child's behavior could be understood from an attachment perspective. Emotional security is based on a child's confidence that the caregiver will be available if required. Anxiety stems from anxiety about separation from the caregiver. And anger is a protest against separation. Bowlby asserted that through thousands of interactions with their caregivers, infants develop internal working models, theories of relationships, which reflect their experience and form their expectations for future relationships. Bowlby thought that children either attach to their caregivers or fail to attach. Later researchers showed that almost all children attach to their caregivers, but they do so in different ways, with different behaviors, depending on their caregiver's ability to attend, engage, and respond reliably by reading their infant signals. Mary Ainsworth, a developmental psychologist, demonstrated through her research that children develop styles of attachment and that these attachment styles become a template for all intimate relationships. Subsequent research has confirmed that attachment styles are developed in the first two years of life, that they powerfully affect a child's confidence, self-esteem, and quality of intimate relationships, and that these attachment styles are quite resistant to change. Not irreversible, but resistant. 
In the first category are secure children who look to their parents for comfort when distressed or fearful or to interpret new situations. They're easily soothed. They're curious about people and their environment. They're happy to be reunited with their parents after an absence. To achieve this outcome, parents need to be attuned to their baby's needs in the first year of life. About 60 to 70% of children are in this category. Parents don't have to be perfect to have securely attached infants, just good enough that the children develop confidence that they will be looked after in times of distress. And about 60 to 70 parents get it right. In the second category are anxious, resistant, or ambivalent children who are whiny and clingy, easily disrupted and difficult to soothe, distressed when their parents leave, but also distressed when their parents return. The parents are thought to be inconsistent because they're preoccupied with their own difficulties. Because these children are not reliably, predictably cared for, they become anxious, insecure, and hesitant. About 10 to 15% of children are in this category. Anxious avoidant children are dismissive of their need for their caregiver. They rarely look for soothing. They rarely reference caregivers. They show little distress in their parents' absence and they ignore their parents when they return. The parents probably don't pick up on their baby signals or underestimate their infant's needs for nurturance and support. These children tend to be controlling and rigid. About 10 to 15% of children are estimated to be in this category also. The last category is that of disorganized attachment. When children are stressed, they naturally move toward their caregivers for safety. But when children are frightened by their caregivers, they move away from them. Children with disorganized attachment have no coherent response when stressed and will approach their caregivers and then withdraw. They might turn in circles, collapse, or even bite their own hand. They're terrified of their caregivers who are abusive or out of control. This is a dilemma without a solution. The caregiver who is intended to be there for soothing and protection is the source of the terror. These children have cognitive difficulties, especially in problem solving, and they grow into lots of other problems as well. These children have a tendency to dissociate, which means they have difficulty processing and integrating frightening or threatening experiences. Children in this category of disorganized attachment may be a significant risk factor for developing post-traumatic stress disorder. About 5 to 10% of children are thought to be in this category. It's important to note that children with anxious attachment styles are not less attached to their parents. They're attached in an anxious way. This is often misunderstood and can be particularly problematic in a child welfare context when it is sometimes asserted that children who are anxiously attached won't be traumatized by being removed from their mother's care. In 1982, Mary Maines, another developmental psychologist, developed the Adult Attachment Inventory to explore the relationship between parents' attachment styles and those of their infants. She found an astounding correlation between parents and their children and was able to predict with 80% accuracy the attachment styles of unborn infants 
based on interviews with the parents. The results of the adult attachment inventory were that parents who are securely attached have securely attached infants. Parents who are preoccupied with negative events in childhood and or very anxious have children with anxious, ambivalent, resistant attachment. Parents who are dismissive of their own needs for comfort and soothing have children with an anxious, avoidant attachment style. And parents who are disorganized have children with disorganized attachment. Importantly, she also found an important mediating factor. Parents with anxious attachment styles could have securely attached infants if they understood that they had self-esteem and relationship challenges and why. If they had a coherent narrative about what happened to them, who their parents were, and what they would need to do as parents differently in order for their children to be securely attached. For example, a woman who was neglected by her alcoholic mother could provide adequate nurturance to her child if she is aware that she was neglected and that she suffered from loneliness and deprivation. Knowing that she did allows her to realize that her own child would need more and better attention. If, on the other hand, she dismissed the effect of her mother's alcoholism on her emotional development, she would be far less cognizant of her child's needs for closeness and support. What are recent developments in attachment research? Well, Peter Fonagy, who is the head of research in clinical, educational, and health psychology at University College London, has done enormous work in the last 20 years or so. And his work has extended the theory of attachment beyond the realm of emotional security. He proposes that attachment is not only a requirement for safety, but is necessary for the development of social intelligence. The foundation for what children need to know about relationships is learned in the early face-to-face -face interactions with their caregivers, those same interactions which promote attachment. Infants and children who are calm and interacting pleasurably with interested adults are able to be curious, not only about their environments, but about their minds, about their intentions, about their emotional states, and those of others. They're able to reflect, observe, hypothesize, and enjoy interpersonal events without having to control them or be afraid of them. The development of a key social skill called mentalization, which I spoke about in an earlier episode, is directly related to the development of secure attachment. Experts have worried about parents of infants being distracted and preoccupied by mental illness, addiction, poverty, and the stresses of violence and racism. But increasingly, experts are worried about parents being preoccupied by screens and addicted to social media. Parents want to give their children everything they need to grow up to be healthy and happy, but they may be missing out on the easiest, cheapest, most pleasurable, and most crucial parts of parenting. Listening, watching, touching, and interacting with our kids. Is there a better reason to unplug for a while? Development is lifelong, 
but the first few years have been shown over and over and over again to be incredibly important. That's it for this time. I'm Janet Morrison. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 